Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, Muni World. It is Tuesday, July 7th, 7-7 of 2020. Today, we've got two reporters. One will be talking about Puerto Rico's Financial Oversight and Management Board, who last week announced it had certified 2020 fiscal plans for three of the territory's highways, water, and power authorities, and submit, submitted revenue forecasts for a number of entities under its jurisdiction. That way, Municipal's Ava Lorenz will explain the current situation. And our second segment will be on Preston Hollow Capital, in its second round of litigation with competitor Nuveen, who asked a Delaware Superior Court for a partial summary of judgment in favor of over defamation claims. And that why our municipalist, Kaylin Devitt, will bring us up to date on this legal saga. Good morning, Ava Lorenz in San Juan, Puerto Rico. How are you? Fine, how are you? Good, hope everything is safe down there. Oh, everything is fine. We're still underwater rationing, but other than that, we're doing well. Good. Glad to hear that. So, Ava, a lot has happened in on the island uh, since last week, which was the end of the fiscal year. And the FOMB, the Financial Oversight and Management Board, confirmed certain fiscal plans recently for PREPA, which is the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, the HTA, the Highways and Transportation Authority, and PRASA, the Puerto Rico Aqueduct and Sewers Authority. What can you tell us about these fiscal plans? Well, as you said, a lot has happened. Uh, the Financial Oversight and Management Board approved fiscal plans, approved budgets. Uh, as, you, as you're aware of, there were some resignations in the Financial Oversight and Management Board. But the important thing is that bef uh, they uh, approved certain fiscal plans for PREPA and uh, Highways and Transportation Authority, and as you mentioned, the Aqueducts and Sewers Authority. In case of the of Prasa, the Aqueduct and Sewers Authority, um, the important thing is that the fiscal plan. One of the important things it says is that uh, the the government or the board wants uh, Prasa to go ahead with a private-public partnership for its um, smart meter system. Uh, Prasa is losing a lot of water due to leakage and theft. And as a matter of fact, 60% of the territory's water is lost as a result of um, leakage and thefts. So they have um, the, the FOMB wants a private-public partnership for the smart meter system that is probably going to cost about $400 million to do. Now, this has been going on for a long time, several years. Prasa has tried to get a, find a company willing to replace all the uh, meter system with smart uh, water meter systems, um, but it has not been able to do it so far. So the oversight board, one of the things it did, it says, well, we want you to start focusing on that uh, this year. In case of PREPA, uh, the, uh, the PREPA fiscal plan uh, comes a week after a sign uh, a contract with Luma Energy to uh, manage its transmission and distribution system. 
that contract has uh, been over the past two weeks discussed a lot in the media because of some of uh, its provisions. Like for instance, the contract does not guarantee the, the uh, employment of PREPAS workers. Um, in terms of the fiscal plan, uh, one of the things that, that we noticed was that it says that next year PREPA should have a deficit precisely because PREPA has to pay a service fee to Luma Energy. And so it's slated to have a deficit uh, next year. Regarding Highway and Transport Transportation Authority, uh, the fiscal plan says that Puerto Rico's roads are in disrepair, uh, that the Highway and Transportation Authority needs to improve road maintenance and improve the transit system. Only 4% of Puerto Rico's highways are in good condition. And that San Juan, the San Juan metro area is the most congested city. So the fiscal plan is focusing on a plan to that to help resolve all of these problems. And this started with the completion of a dashboard that was made public uh, last week that would allow the public to see the status of road constructions and repair. Um, the HTA fiscal plans requires HTA to establish an independent board with experience and knowledgeable directors and also establishes certain measures to increase revenue by increasing uh, toll fine collections and tolls. So that's pretty much it, uh, what happened to this in regarding this uh, fiscal plans for these entities, which are the ones that are, uh, except for Praza, they are the ones that are in, in, are in bankruptcy. Right, now, what other plans did the oversight board certify and what else can you tell us about it, about them? Well, um, the financial oversight and management board certified the fiscal plan for PRITCO. This was its first uh, fiscal plan where PRITCO is the Puerto Rico industrial development company. And this agency not only helps a, or is in charge of economic development, but it also manage, manages a large number of industrial properties or uh, 1,513 properties. And most of these properties are in underdeveloped lots located throughout the island. And of course, uh, the government uses those properties to attract investors. If an investor wants to open a facility in Puerto Rico, Rico offers them the use of these facilities uh, along with many other incentives uh, um, pro unfortunately, the Oversight Board says Pritco has a history of underinvesting in these properties. And of course, uh, it wants Pritco to sell some of the properties, uh, at least to attract and to use other properties to attract pharmaceutical companies and medical device uh, manufacturers. The plan proposes a a capital, uh, capital investment plan for uh, the fixing a lot of these properties uh, and also a feasibility study to determine whether outsourcing Pritzko's real estate portfolio to a third party manager 
is worthwhile and profitable and economically reasonable. Now, um, the Financial Oversight Board also um, approved a fiscal plan for COSEC. Not, not many people have heard of COSEC, but COSEC is the Public Corporation for Supervision and Insurance of Cooperatives or Credit Unions. And now COSEC is the regulator for Puerto Rico's credit and savings cooperatives. And most of the island's cooperatives, uh, well, not most of them, but a large portion of them, uh, 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 had a financial crisis after the government filed for bankruptcy because many of these credit unions invest in, invested in Puerto Rico bonds. So obviously the fiscal plan uh, decided to cover COSEC uh, to help bring it to, uh, to a, a financial, to the path of financial stability, let's put it that way. And COSEC's fiscal plan requires COSEC to improve its governance uh, by establishing an independent board of directors instead of having people who are directors of uh, cooperatives. Uh, it calls for COSEC to improve its accounting practices to determine exactly the risk and stability of, of some of the uh, cooperatives that are financially failing. And of course, uh, uh, the COSEC pre-Cisco plan also includes about uh, 400,000 in funds for hiring additional examiners that will um, uh, help COSEC uh, meet some of the required milestones. Um, and of course, it provides a certain microeconomic forecast um, as to the future of these uh, cooperatives, which looks so so, but with the if they implement all of these measures, because uh, the Financial Oversight and Management Board hopes that COSEC will be able to uh, move uh, forward or be able to um, come out of its financial uh, problems. I see. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, Eva, I got one last question for you. Tell us about the relationship between the Oversight Board and the mayors. We know there's trouble with their fiscal plans, right? Yes. Um, as part of the um, um, fiscal plan certifications, the board also certified CRIM's fiscal plan. CRIM is the Municipal Revenue Collection Center, and it is the entity that collects property taxes and distributes, distributes them throughout the 78 municipalities using a, a formula that is too complex for me to discuss here. Um, uh, CREAM, uh, the, the FOMB, the Financial Oversight and Management Board, approved um, a new fiscal plan for CREAM uh, that will help it increase its tax revenue. Um, and of course, uh, it wants it to sell some of the, the portfolio of accounts receivables from property taxes that are passed through, uh, which is estimated at $400 million. But the board also... Um, establish a fiscal plan for some 11 municipalities. And of course, this has created a problem because um, these cities are very upset because the fiscal plans prevents them from, for instance, from paying a, a, a Christmas bonuses to employees. And many employees in cities earn minimum wage. So the mayors are saying that uh, uh, this is gonna 
create problems for these individuals, for these employees. They also um, prevent this, are preventing the cities from making donations uh, to uh, people with special needs and for making certain donations uh, to, to help cultural activities and sports organizations in the cities. In Puerto Rico, cities work more or less like, like the central government and they help out their constituents. So the mayors are kind of upset about that. And this afternoon, they are going to meet with the Financial Oversight and Management Board uh, to discuss all of these problems. I see. Okay. Well, uh, I'm sure, like you said, you'll uh, keep us apprised of what's going on. But Eva, thank you so much for your time today. Stay safe down there with your family, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good morning, Caitlin David. How are you? I'm I'm good, Young. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I, I think we're. St I know you're on uh, Central Time, so I think we both need our coffee. But I think we both sound okay, so I think it's good. So. <laughs> good to go. Okay, so. I know we've been following, and you've been covering the litigation between Press and Hollow, and Nuveen. Um, since it began way back in February of 2019, which has gotten a little bit a little bit complicated and is now in its second round of litigation. Last week, you wrote about the latest filing. Tell us the news and give us maybe a little background on the case for those who are not, you know, up to date on it. Well, Preston Hollow is a Dallas-based firm that is a direct buyer of high-yield unis and municipal bonds and Nuveen is also a buyer of high yield municipal bonds. In fact, it's probably considered the largest buyer in the world. So um, the two firms are competitors in the high yield market. And I'll give you, just tell you what happened and then um, give you a little bit of background. So on June 29th, um, Preston Hollow made its latest filing in this, as you said, second round, which is asking for a partial summary judgment, um, which, you know, it's a favorable ruling from the judge on certain statements um, that Nuveen has made that, that Preston wants, um, Preston wants ruled as defamation. So the Preston's argument is that the first round of litigation, the judge in that round um, ruled that these statements were fraudulent, and so therefore that that decision should be rolled over essentially into this round, and that and the judge should rule in its favor on those statements. So as you said, they originally ruled. I mean, they originally sued in February of 19, and that was in the Delaware Chancery Court. They have four claims at that point: um, unlawful interference with business relations, unlawful interference with business contracts, antitrust violation, and defamation. And Preston argued that Nuveen's head of municipals, John Miller, and some of his top employees were trying to run Preston out of business by basically telling the top broker dealers on the street that if they did business with Preston, that Nuveen would no longer do business with them. And so to support its case, Preston had all these hundreds of pages of telephone transcripts that showed Nuveen's conversations with the various broker dealers like Goldman and Morgan Stanley and Deutsche Bank. And um, the conversations, according to Preston, showed that Miller and his employees were defaming Preston with false statements. So that kind of went on throughout the year. There was a hearing. I mean, there was a trial in the fall on it. And what happened to those four counts? The judge 
in the Chancery case said he wasn't going to rule in the defamation case. That was partly because he thought it should be heard in the Superior Court where there could be a jury. So Preston Hollow, you know, cut off that defamation claim, put it in the Superior Court, and then it was stayed while the other claims were heard. And eventually in April of this year, the Chancery Court finally found Nuveen guilty um, on one count, which is interference with business relationships. And he declined to rule in the antitrust, and he'd already thrown out the um, – the interference with contracts. And so in finding him guilty, he said Naveen had made false and fraudulent statements, basically made threats and lies about Preston to Goldman and Deutsche Bank and others and showed a pattern of making the statements. Um, so then after that ruling, Preston's defamation case that we're talking about today in the Superior Court began, and they filed a complaint in early May. And then like I said last week, the partial summary judgment request. So they want the chancery judges ruling on the statement that they were false and fraudulent and lies and threats. They want that. They say that that means automatically it's defamation and it doesn't, should not be relitigated. Naveen already had a chance to, during the trial, had a chance to and did vigorously defend itself. And so they should not be relitigated. So that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at right now. And there hasn't been a response yet. So so let's talk about Nuveen's side. What's their def defense in this round of litigation? Well, it's defending itself kind of on various grounds. It's denying some of the statements. Again, this is a lot of this is based on the transcripts and the statements. Um, so it's denying that it made some of them. It's saying some are taken out of context or misunderstood. Other statements it's, it admits were made but says that they're substantially true. And therefore, they, didn't, they don't give a rise to, to a claim, to a defamation claim, if they're true. And other statements, it says, are opinions, um, and they're protected by the First Amendment. So that's sort of various grounds. A lot, it denies a lot of it. Um, it denies a lot of the, you know, accusations made by Preston in its complaint. It also notes that, Naveen also notes that, uh, going back to early 2019, before the lawsuit was filed, um, Preston has sort of put Nuveen on notice that it knew or thought this behavior was going down and then it was threatening to sue. At that point, Nuveen had sent out what it called a retraction letter to all the broker dealers that retracted many of the statements from Miller and others. And so now Nuveen is citing that um, retraction letter saying that that, you know, that should kind of preclude further damages. Um, because it sent out that letter. So, of course, Preston argues that its business has continued to suffer um, despite that letter, and it doesn't mean anything. I see. So let, then let's talk about um, Preston's side. What what do they want? And I understand initially they, didn't, they were not seeking monetary damages, but now it's different? Yeah, the first time around, they only asked for an injunction that would have required Naveen to kind of change its behavior and and, um, and the, the court to impose some supervisory requirements. Um, the Chancery Court judge declined to, you know, impose the injunction. He said he couldn't because it would, among other things, violate Naveen's First Amendment rights. And so even though he found him guilty, like I said, on that one count, he, he ended up not penalizing the firm not penalizing Nuveen and saying that he, that Preston Hollows, um, what they were seeking, he couldn't impose that. So now this time around, they're seeking money. They're seeking at least a hundred million in damages. And again, that goes back to uh, what I said about, they said that they've suffered this big drop in business before this, 
they say they were set up in um, 2014 and they were seeing these large double digit, you know, up to 34% increases every year in business. And then this started to happen and then they started to see a big decrease. So that's what they're arguing that they've seen that at least a hundred million that they're asking for plus some other damages. Hmm. All right, Kayla, I got one last question for you. And then it's basically what's going on next. I think there's something going on this week. Yeah, there, well, it's a scheduling hearing and it's on July 9th, which is Thursday. So the judge, the Superior Court judge is going to be holding a hearing. Basically, they're going to figure out the scheduling and how it's going to go ahead at this point. Um, so, you know, we'll keep our eye on that and we'll be writing about it. I know a lot of people in our market are watching it because it's, it's sort of an interesting case. I mean, Nuveen, you know, as I said, big shop, major high profile, but also it sort of sheds this light on the high yield municipal world, um, municipal bond world, which is always a little opaque. So that's one of the reasons a lot of our um, readers have been, are interested in it. And so, yeah, so the next hearing is on July 9th and we'll be writing about that. Yes, and we'll be waiting with bated breath on Friday, or no, I'm sorry, Thursday, <laughs> when the story comes right. out. All right. Uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for your time. Um, like you said, this opaqueness in the mini bond market, we want transparency. That's the key word I think we want here. So, But thank you for your work. Um, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. All right, that is our show for today. Thanks, many thanks to Eva Lorenz in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Caitlin Devitt in Chicago, Illinois, and our producer, Christian Ayala, here in New York City. But as always, thanks to you, our listeners out there who tune in week after week for the latest on distress, muni debt. Hopefully, you'll catch us again next week on the Muni Lowdown. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.